Well, similar. And the thing that is often tricky about December is that, you know, earlier in the season, the deer herd is quite spread out. So you can go out and see a few deer and go, you know, I had a pretty good hunt. This time of the year, it it often can be feast or famine Mm -hmm. because they're all on the same food source. And if it's not where you're hunting, to your point, Tim, you can sit there and not see any deer. Whereas in September, you were seeing them or October, you were seeing them because the herd is spread out. All of a sudden, Mother Nature inhales and all of them go to a food source. And if they're not betting on you or feeding on you, chances are you're, you're not going to see much. So, This segment of DOD TV is brought to you by Leopold, American to the core. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast, episode number 187. I'm Tim Chelsvik. I'm Matt Drury, and this week we have the madman Mark Drury with us from Iowa. What's up, brother? Hey, guys. How you doing? We are good. We're good. We're good. So, you know, we wanted to jump on this week and and kind of talk about where we've been the last few weeks. It was kind of a slow November in general for, for our team anyways, yeah. as, as far as compared to years past, and then talk about the upcoming December and the forecast and, and deer cast predictions and kind of where we're at and where we're going. And I think, um, you know, we had such a great October and the expectations going into the season after we went through October, like, holy cow, it's going to be a record year. <laughs> then we got chopped down a couple pegs and yeah. brought back down to earth. <laughs> Mark, what are your thoughts on kind of where we're at here? It always all ends up equaling out, doesn't it? It you does. Know, it's like Law there's only so many tags and so many cold fronts, and you never want to miss a cold front. And there just there just weren't many in the month of November, and we really didn't have, in my opinion, a great moon phase uh, for the calendar month of November. And here we go into December, and they're calling for a well above average temperature uh, in December. So you know, here we go. We you know we always call it Bucktober. Well, this year October was better than ever, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then Slovember, but now we're into Deer December. But you know, is it going to be Deer December? We'll we'll find out here over the next few weeks. We're we're already into the what are we here the seventh or eighth eighth day of December, and thus far it's been okay. Not not great. Yeah, and you know, was, <laughs> October was so awesome, and I think you know myself, I killed two deer and I'm thinking, Oh my goodness, this might be the best season I'm ever going to have. I got two tags left. And then the rifle season crickets past a couple deer and big deer get shot next to me. And then all of a sudden I go, I'm like, okay, well I got muzzleloader season left. I got, you know, I could use an archery tag for the second, but well, I go over to Illinois and I got that tag and kind of, it was slow and eat tag soup over there. And it's like, all of a sudden I looked at Scott on our way back from Illinois. I'm like, by God, we're going to have the same type of season we always have. Two it's deer. Get, <laughs> it's getting close to mid. I can see the like the individual sand granules falling through the yeah, little hourglass. Yeah. yeah. It, it, th- this is one of the reasons why I get so anxious about trying to kill early because I, I, I really struggle late season. It's hard, especially well, most of the places I hunt don't have a lot of food. So uh, it's just hard to figure out. That, and that's the entire game changer for this time of year. And I'm in a similar situation. The farmer on the lease this year did not plan his typical corner being up top where we, you know, mm-hmm. kind of really, really rely on that food source and, and usually get, get them to leave an acre or two forest. We got nothing this year other than we have a little bit of biologic clover, non-typical clover. And we got a little bit of, of the radishes that we planted and we plant final forage, but they never let it 
come up. I mean, oh, they sure. just annihilated it, it cause it didn't rain for like three weeks after we planted. So by the time the beans defoliated, all of a sudden the green food source was starting to come up and they were just hammering it. So I'm just sitting here looking at all my cell camera pictures and th there's just nothing with any age on the lease right now. The, the kind of the saving grace for me would be the, the river farm this year, sure. kind of out of nowhere. And, and it's got, cause a, it's not flooded. Yeah. Cause it's not flooded. It's got a great food source, uh, but I don't have any grain. But I have just unbelievable green, final forage, last bite, radishes. So I'm hoping that these real hard frosts that we've had in the last week or two, because the mornings have been getting pretty chilly, pretty yep. cold down in the 20s, and we've had some pretty hard frosts in our area. I'm hoping that that kind of rejuvenates the what I got here on the river farm and kind of sucks some deer in. They're the only thing I'm competing with or all the duck clubs do have grain. So, yeah, you know, it's it's always a give and take, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how the, the end of it, it plays out. It's just a, definitely a different year for me in the late season compared to the early season. Sure. Mark, how about you? What are you seeing up there? Well, similar. And the thing that is often tricky about December is that, you know, earlier in the season, the deer herd is quite spread out. So you can go out and see a few deer and go, you know, I had a pretty good hunt. This time of the year, it, it often can be feast or famine because mm -hmm. they're all on the same food source. And if it's not where you're hunting, to your point, Tim, you can sit there and not see any deer. Whereas in September, you were seeing them or October, you were seeing them because the herd is spread out. All of a sudden, Mother Nature inhales and all of them go to a food source. And if they're not betting on you or feeding on you, chances are you're, you're not going to see much. So uh, this December, with it being warm, it won't be quite as uh, bad or quite as condensed as it has been in previous years. Uh, they are still a little bit spread out. And we're seeing a lot of deer on acorns right now, which is very non-typical because we oftentimes have a lot of snow cover by now. And that, that generally covers that up. Right now, we're seeing a pile of deer just walking through the woods, feeding on acorns, and not hitting our fields till till after last light. So make sure you don't overlook those acorn crops because it's still the number one preferred food uh, for for deer, and those pin oaks are dropping right now. So in an instance like we're going to have maybe a, a warm December, you know, I always think kind of the saying, you guys, if it's if it's cold, you go to green. Right. If it's warm, you go to green. Will will that change here in the late season, even if it's warm? Meaning, what, if it's warm, does that hold true? Or if it's warm, do they still go to the grain in the late season because they're trying to kind of fill up the you know the fat on them before the hard winter might hit in January or February? Now, I think green's still going to be the preferred food source out there, Matt. In my opinion, uh, you hit on it already. These frosts are finally breaking them down. And uh, those plants that maybe weren't so palatable in late October or even into November now all of a sudden become very palatable because the frost break them down, the sugars come to the top, and what's right below that? But those bulbs, if they were planted early enough and you have those, and I think green's going to be very, very critical here in the month of December. Don't overlook it because I'm still seeing a pile of deer on clover, which oftentimes isn't the case because of snow cover. Acorns and clover both oftentimes are, are out of play right now because of snow cover. We have none and both are in play right now. So you got to be mindful of all the different food choices out there. I see. Mm. So you're telling me there's a there's chance. There's a chance. It's cr <laughs> just crazy enough to work. I've got a couple of friends that have some great green food sources mm -hmm. and they've allowed, because I'm trying to get Sophie on a buck now. She's killed her first whitetail. She got a doe back in October. She wants antlers for the wall. She's on a mission. And I mean, my my little plots at my one property, they're just, I mean, there's some nocturnal activity, but there's not a whole lot going on and not a rack buck. And I, 
I'm pretty sure she's not my daughter. She had a couple of spikes in front of her this past weekend. She was like, I'm going to pass. <laughs> she is not your daughter. <laughs> Apparently not. If it's brown, she's going to give it a pass until something bigger comes through. Funny. Uh, so, but, but, but it's nice getting to spend time in the blind. I know that's kind of one of the principles this time of year. Yeah. You get a little vacation time to use and you can go out. It's a little nicer to sit just because it's a little cozier. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's our mission right now. Awesome. It, it, it is pleasant. You know, mom's coming up to join us for second gun season here. And uh, I was talking to her and she said, oh, the weather looks perfect, <laughs> which is the last <laughs> thing I want to hear out of mom, because that means she's happy. It's pleasant. Yeah, you know, right. it's, we want what your highs and the teens and, you know, lows below zero and snow cover. So I laughed when she said, oh, the weather looks perfect. And I was like, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> Depends on your point of view, I guess. Yeah, yeah that's right. She's All just happy to get out of the house after the, you know, she's been shut down from the coronavirus for so long sure. and kind of locked in the house. And I'm sure she's, well, I spoke with her last night actually. And she was talking about how she was looking forward to a change of scenery. It's so important yeah. to get that. Yeah. That connection. Well, we've got some of our buddies that watch the show and they've shouted us out. So we're going to shout these them back. These are actual friends of yours. Cause I don't know these people. <laughs> You're saying I don't have friends. Well, no, I know you have at least a couple. <laughs> Actually, one of them is. <laughs> I got you. So t- Tony, sent, Tony Cantrell sent me this text. He said, so I've been listening to your podcast, my free time for like 48 hours straight now. Loser. <laughs> like, man, you must have been really bored. I've absorbed endless amounts of information this week, and I wonder if it's made me a better hunter. You can keep wondering. I could pretty much tell him. <laughs> it has not. It could have been interpreted like a backhanded compliment. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if this has ruined me. He doesn't have a question mark here. I wonder <laughs> if it's made me a better <laughs> And then we got one from Aaron Bot Bot Bet Thompson. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to say boy. Kids cuss left and right all the time. Some people are delusional if they think otherwise. Just saying. I don't, that must have been in uh, response, response to you saying you got your hand slapped for <laughs> letting loose with some swear words. And on, it wasn't even that bad, but <laughs> I, I don't know. Aaron's on your team. I'm not getting into this one, man. I don't want to get in Aaron's, trouble. Aaron's pro swear. Aaron's got a potty mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we appreciate when you guys leave us feedback, good, bad, or indifferent. So feel free to do that in DeerCast or YouTube or wherever you listen to the podcast. We'd love to hear that. So Mark, as, as you look back on the season, what are some of the, you know, I know you had a really great start in October, obviously as well. And, you know, looking through November, what were some of the tough times or memorable times or learning experiences you had that, that you can build on for future seasons? Well, I said it was probably the best October I've ever seen because it was the coldest October and it, it, and it wasn't like brutally cold with ridiculous wind. It was just below average temperatures with good wind speeds that were optimal for hunting where it would keep your scent in a, you know, in a consistent manner. And the deer just moved. We had that rising moon going into the latter part of October. And, and Terry and I actually talked about it in our predictions back in August. We talked about, Hey, if we have any cold weather in late October, it's going to be unbelievable. And we also mentioned that November could be rather slow. And and it was. So even back in August, what we thought might happen actually played out and did, um, So, you know, I always say don't miss any cold fronts. And that was so true this year in November, because without the cold weather, they just didn't move very well. Um, And that that's you. You run into that, uh, I think, more and more, because as as I look across the landscape, many herds are out of balance out there. 
There are more does than there are bucks, and that's playing against us all. EHD has left us with a, a herd that's out of balance and fewer deer in general. Mm-hmm. And when that occurs, those bucks don't have to look very hard to go find does. And I think the hunter mentality is, oh, I've lost some deer. I need to leave as many does out there as we can. When in reality, we should always try to keep the herd balanced, regardless of what the overall population is, whether it's down, you still want it balanced if you want a healthy herd, because anytime things are out of balance, it's really wearing on the You mean like this dangle don't work. Doe to doe to doe, you know, so that, that makes it really, really tough. So I think that plays into these slow Novembers that we're seeing. Clearly, it was not a great weather November. And and secondly, I think the overall herd is a little bit out of balance and that that plays into it. Mark, when do you suggest, so if someone's got a herd that's, that's out of balance, way too many does, when is the best time for them to start thinning them out? Everyone that walks by. I mean, <laughs> any, any chance you get. You know, we, we entered the farm into DMAP with the Missouri Department of Conservation to where we could actually get some additional doe permits for a block of land that's about 4,500 acres. Myself and some neighbors got together and we said, we'd love to enroll this in this pilot program. So we did work with the conservation, work with the head deer biologist to come up with uh, a basic ratio of where we're at buck to doe mm-hmm. through our trail photos and census our own visual of what we're seeing out there he then issued us x amount of permits and we were filling those everyone that walked by because if you don't start now when are you going to do it you know and uh, we just agreed as a neighborhood this is for the greater good let's start shooting them and we did and and uh, we have we have really worn the does out and we're starting to see a much more balanced herd now it's it's been a really fun project to partake in and and i'm really proud of everybody in the neighborhood because everybody pitched in and we all did our part and we we said you know to heck with the bucks let's work on these does Uh, how do you my my i'm always torn when i have the opportunity to take a doe if i'm still hunting a buck because i just don't know how they're going to react if they smell blood on the ground if they see a, a a strobing led from a uh from a nocturnal in the ground like i that's that's always how i'm torn and so because i because I, I rarely get out just on a on a doe mission how do you think bucks respond to a doe that's been shot in the area does it does it blow your hunt it, it depends on the time of the year in october probably would lock them up a little bit in november we had several that we shot where bucks came up pawed them horned them licked on them tried to get them up they they're so in, you know their testosterone level so high They didn't realize what just happened. So it really depends on what mood the buck's in. Uh October and December, it's going to affect them because their testosterone is not high. In December, it actually attracted a few bucks. It was crazy. We had does laying dead in the field. In November. uh, Bucks come right up to them and and work them over, man. It was crazy. Yeah, in November. Yeah. November, rather. I misspoke. Sorry. Yeah. Someone's going to come up with, with a dead doe decoy <laughs> just for that very I thing. I talked about it. I was like, maybe we need to lay our Tip it over. It's it a lot quieter and a lot easier. Easy pickings. It's almost like turkey season when you shoot a gobbler and they're flopping around and yeah. all the other gobblers come over and start knocking it around a little bit. It's just crazy what that how it attracts them. It, yeah, we shot a doe and this buck... I mean, he went over and just mauled her, you know, and we were looking at it because we wanted to put a, an installment of Deer Season 20 out. And we were like, this is a little too aggressive. We actually toned it back. It didn't share everything uh, on the Facebook post that we did. But he was incredibly aggressive with her. And after about 
two or three minutes of doing that, pawing her and horning her and everything. He saw another doe up the lane. <laughs> he went and worked a scrape, went running after her and left that one laying there. It was, it Nature's was beautiful. Uh, I've been done for you lately. lately. <laughs> $200 is <laughs> $200. <start> <laughs> pixelating those interactions. <laughs> Putting a big black box over That's them. That's right. <laughs> Not safe for TV. No, no. But I, I'm a little worried about December in that, you know, we, we really set our farms up for this month and for these late season gun hunts. So we've got a lot of destination fields that typically are where we succeed. And this year, we're probably not going to have the success there that we've had in the past. I have a lot of cameras, a lot of cell cameras out that I check on a daily basis. And I'm just not seeing daylight activity on those destination fields like I'm used to from previous years. But in previous years, it's colder. Uh, There's a lot more snow on the ground. That's not occurring. Where I am seeing deer are on acorns and on green fields and on some of those hidey hope killing plots that we had set up for October, that's where I'm seeing them. So it's more of a a bow hunting strategy from October that we might employ here during December. Now, we've got a cold front that's supposed to usher in here Saturday, Sunday, Monday for the uh, Iowa second shotgun. Uh, Terry, Taylor, Gary will be in hunting. So we're going to start out on those destination fields and hope for the best because we do have a decent cold front that's hitting. But even that one, it's a 12, 15 degree drop in temperature, but it's only taking it to the average high of the time, you yeah. know, or of the of the that time frame. So while it's a cold front, it's still not a cold front that we're used to. It's only getting it down to average, but still with the warm air proceeding, and I, I think it'll be okay. As you looked at the deer cast kind of predictions along the way since November, really, I mean, we've not had a lot of greats. Mm-hmm. And well, you know, you. we've taken a little bit of heat about it, but it, it it's factoring in, you know, the average high is one of the factors, you know, the average daily high. And, mm-hmm. and it's just not been great this the past month, really. There's not been a lot of opportunities to where the, the temperatures are where they need to be. You know, even in November, we were taking some heat because of the algorithms prediction where it was so pessimistic for so long. But they were saying that ahead of the time. I didn't hear back from them going, it was wrong because in reality, man, it was spot on. It was saying okay to poor, to, to sometimes creeping into good. And that's about the movement we saw. Like it was just, okay, it was an okay, you know, deer movement. Basically, if you were in the right place at the right time, you know, and there's so many hunters out during that period of the rut, if you're in the right place at the right time, any anything can happen, right? Oh, yeah. the, the temperature sure. ultimately, it, you know, a buck can cruise right by you looking for a doe or, or has one or whatever the case may or be. Or jumped up by another hunter. And, and I always find it interesting as I follow social media and, and, and my friends or whoever, and you're just like, one guy, if he had a great experience one morning, he's like, man, the rut is on fire. <laughs> and it just, he might've been in the right very place personal. at the right time. Yeah. It is very personal. So I always, when I, when I see that and I see kind of, you know, I always kind of chuckle a little bit at rut predictions because it's it's so different depending on where you're at. Hell, if you're on one end of the farm and they're on the other end of the farm, you, you really don't know what you missed. There you was no rut. There was no rut. But but meanwhile, it could have been 200 yards away and you missed the entire thing. Yeah. You just don't know. And, and, you know, to that point, Matt, like I always self-examine in those situations when I'm sitting somewhere and DeerCast said good or great, and I get reports within the, the 13 text group message, and I had a bad sit and everybody else had a good sit, I'm like, what decision did I make that led to this? You know, So I think too many people will blame it on, oh, well, the algorithm's off. And the algorithm, we've proven it now for quite a while. It's on. 
So if you're out there and you're not seeing deer, chances are your strategy may be just off. You may just be off a couple hundred yards from the movement to your point, Matt. And it could be the magic circle could just be over there or they may be on a food source over there or they may be betting somewhere different than they were. Those deer go through changes throughout the year and you have to adjust with those changes. It's one of the reasons we did 13 tactics have to change and you have to progress through the season. And if deer cast is saying good or great and you're not seeing deer, it might be because your access was wrong or something else happened in in that area. So I always self-examine in those moments and go, what can I change to have a better day tomorrow? Go ahead. I was just going to say it's sometimes it sounds like people want the deer cast to tell them what they want to hear. And that's just like the weather doesn't work that way. That's not the way the world works. And so it's, it's going to, it's going to tell you what the factors are indicating for whitetail movement. Well, the other part about it, I think as, as a very male dominated, um, you know, tradition in hunting, it's, it's, we have a, a real, sense to, uh, it's not me, you know, we aren't, we aren't going to stop and <laughs> ask for directions. It's, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. You don't, it's just the way it's just the reality of it. Yep. So, you know, we see it from a customer service standpoint all the time. I just, you know, yesterday I was, I was talking internally to the guys. It's like, you know, you got to kill people with kindness because everybody's experience is very personal to them. So if they're upset, you know, and, and, and it didn't perform like they wanted it to can't say it's you when it may or may not be, you know, you got to mm-hmm. say, man, I'm sorry. It didn't work out for you. I'm, you know, how can we improve it? And that's the, te- that's kind of, that is the approach that I want to take. I want to say, all right, I want to hear everybody's experiences. And, and if it needs tweaking, Mark and Terry tweak it just slightly all season long. If it's, a little too optimistic or if it's a little too pessimistic, depending on the phase, depending on the conditions, we might make a little bit of an adjustment, not much, but a little bit. And so I like hearing that feedback because, Hey, it may, it may be a little off, but in general, you also have to, like Mark said, you got to self-examine and say, all right, did, was my access right? You Mm -hmm. know, some guy got real upset with us. He said, I've hunted here, you know, 20, 30 years and I got deer and you know, you're, you know, you said it was going to be poor and it was great. You know okay, it, it can happen. It certainly can happen. I've been in spots where say Adam, you know, the guy at least with, he's on one side of the property and he had a phenomenal sit and it said, great. He said, hey, this was spot on. And I'm on the other side of the property and it was poor. Yeah. And I'm like, what happened here? I was just in the wrong spot. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it can happen, yep. you know? So that's right. You know, you gotta, you gotta be able to examine it. Gotta examine it. And, and you gotta use hindsight a little bit in this to tweak the algorithm. You mentioned our algorithm tweaks, like between Terry and I, we probably look at a hundred cell cam reports across five states on a daily basis, almost on an hourly basis. So we're comparing not only we're trying to hunt based on those cell cam reports, but we're also comparing that to what DeerCast predicted in those areas versus what reality was. So it's one thing to judge a prediction based on what you see. It's another thing to judge it based on a hundred cell cams across five different landscapes in a variety of different, you know, locations and then go, yes, it was, it was on. No, it wasn't on. We missed it by a little bit or we missed it by a lot. And uh, I can tell you, man, it is pretty, 
pretty on. I think I can just tell you, there's not much tweaking to it. I think, you know, a way for the average guy to, to do that same test, obviously you won't have a hundred cameras out there and you know, you don't have all the different States you're hunting in, but you talk to your buddies, right? Hey, you know, you think about the text, the text groups that I'm in amongst my friends is like, what'd you see tonight? What'd you see tonight? And, and that's almost the MRI that you get across several, you know, several different hunting spots, maybe in the same general area. And, and that can give you a great idea as well. It's like, man, everybody had a great night tonight or man, they moved late or man, sure. it was slow. Those are the types of comments that you, that we talk about internally all the time. Yeah. It's just tough. You got to think outside yourself and you got to think globally. And that's, those are two things that just as people where we struggle with. Sure. Yeah. The other thing you can do is, as a hunter, a private user, just using DeerCast is screenshot the prediction for that day, especially the hourly, and then go back and compare that day, you know, put a month together and then look at your pictures come in across all your different trail cameras. If you're going out to check them, Terry and I are watching it in real time to compare it against the algorithm because we have so many cell cams. But if you will screenshot your daily prediction and then compare that to your trail pictures, you can start to see trends and, and, uh, follow the algorithm, if you will, you know, okay, bad, poor, good, great, and and do it over a month or do it over a full season and then give us a, your thoughts on how close the algorithm is versus not, because it's one thing to be there in person and then your human scent and your intrusion, everything's affecting deer movement. However, that trail camera is not going to affect it per se. So then you get to look back in hindsight and go, yes, it was on or no, no, it was off. But in my opinion, she's, she's on, man. We're really confident in that algorithm right now. Show us the abacus. All right. <laughs> I don't know. Mark probably doesn't watch the podcast, but at one podcast, Tim and I talked about there being some levers and deer cast abacus. So you go back there and make all the tweaks. Yeah, that's right. Kind of like Wizard of Oz, the guy behind yes, the, yeah, curtain. the curtain. <laughs> the wizard. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that was the Wizard of Oz. That's right. <laughs> all right. Who was that guy? So let's move on to the question of the day today. How about it? Yeah, let's do that. All right. So the question of the day is proudly brought to you by Victory Archery, the carbon arrow experts. Steve Chesnick from Ohio. Do you believe that there is actually a third rut? That's a good question because this would be about the time I've, I've actually never heard of the third one. I've heard of people talk about the second one before, but I've not mm-hmm. heard about the third one. Mark, how, how do you, uh, how do you approach this one? Where was the first one? <laughs> My question, Steve. It was it was pretty slow here in November, but I think that you can start to see does come into estrus anytime from mid October all the way through you know January or February. And I think if they don't get bred, they're very likely to come back into estrus in later months. So whether you call it the first, second, third, fourth, whatever it is, there are periods each month where you see a flurry of activity. November being the greatest bell curve, the peak of estrus Mm -hmm. is sometime in and around mid-November. You also start to see a few bucks messing with some does in December. I've seen that here just the last few days. And then again in January. But what happens is fewer and fewer will recycle into estrus. Therefore, it is a much more rare occurrence to see it. So however you want to term it, yes, there are still does that are cycling. Sometimes they are uh, fawns that finally come in. Sometimes it's does that are yearlings that had a fawn late into the rut and didn't cycle to the next month. And sometimes it's a doe that just simply didn't get bred. And she's finally coming back into estrus in a later month. So um, my buddy, David brothers had a picture 
in uh, it was late September of a fawn that was fully spotted and looked like it had just been barned. And we back back dated it, and it it would have indicated that that doe got bred in March sometime last year. Whoa, wow. it's an incredible picture. I can show it to you. Hold on. You know, that, I was thinking Steve might have been talking about like Alabama as <laughs> the third rut. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. The, you know, just because they're they're a little bit later, and you know, you just travel to hit the rut, find where it's yeah. at, and go there. Yeah, I mean that that definitely is a strategy. I know Steve is from Ohio, so I think he was just kind of talking about like, is there is there an opportunity to still to still get a deer? That's Tim. I'm joking. Oh. Maybe give me a hand signal or something. Let me know. You suck, Matt. <laughs> Can you see the date on oh, that? Geez. That's September 28th. Oh, my gosh. Now, look at that fawn. Wow. Where's that at, Mark? In Missouri, North Missouri, right wow. on the Iowa border. That's two miles south of the Iowa border. Uh, text so, that to us, and we'll, we'll add it as B-roll into the podcast. I, I will. David sent me that, and, uh, he, he, you know, we were like, that's a March, you know, conception. Like that, so yes, and answer to your question, uh, it can go on and on and on. If they don't get bred, they're eventually going to, and that's that's part of our problem. That's one of the reasons we entered the farm into DMAP just too many does and not enough bucks. And every year, we were losing not only to EHD, where we're losing our bucks, we were losing it just to natural mortality. They were literally mm-hmm. rutting themselves to death because they started, you know, seeking in mid October and continued to seek until their antlers fell off. So, <laughs> Um, just a, a severely out of balance herd, and it's it's now more in balance than it's been in the last decade because we have worn them out. I, I wonder if you get to the end, like if you get to the end of like, are there are there does that that go unbred? Are there available does that ever go unbred? I would assume there are. I would say if you got a really out of whack population and you know what i mean like right i think about like my lease right now there are no like very few bucks running around on it right now mm-hmm. it just but there's tons of does and even during the rut i only had a handful of of bucks that were on it i mean I, i'll have i i wonder how do the younger bucks i mean i guess they breed them as well you know sure. to, Sure they do. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. They all participate in the rut, whether the doe will, will stand for them or not, but most does will, you know, if there's not another bucks or suitor out there, they'll stand for them. So then you have to look at it and go, okay, am I doing myself any good here? It's the same thing we said as a neighborhood. We were like, this is horrible. Our, our antler quality was suffering because of it. Our body weights have shrunk. It's too many bass in the pond, you know, and, and they all end up the same size or, mm-hmm. or dead. And uh, that's that's why we entered the farm in a DMAP, and it's why we've taken so many does. Fishing tips with Mark Drury. There you go. Absolutely. It's a, it's a whole new day for us. <laughs> well, how about we hop into the wildlife word segment? It's brought to you by Hunter Specialties, makers of the comprehensive Sentaway line of scent elimination products. And it's a multiple choice. Ooh, Prepare wee. yourselves. All right, let's do it. The oval shape of a whitetail's pupil makes it difficult for them to detect movement where? A, below the horizon, B, above the horizon, or C, directly in front of them? Mark. (laughs) I would have said directly behind them. Um, So I don't don't know. I was thinking it was going to be directly behind. I'm going to go with... But that's not one of the options. (laughs) (laughs) Bending the rules, Mark. What was a t- Terry answer? <laughs> <laughs> Let's make a long All story the short. Wrong. <laughs> I'm going to go with directly in front of them. 
it is uh, above the horizon. So uh, above, which is why you can get away with more movement out of a tree stand. And just by the way their the physiology of their pupils, they pick up on movement very well, uh, kind of below the horizon, like in the plane around them. Because you think that's where the, most of their predators are. Yeah. But something up in the tree, not so much. No, I know. Which, which is interesting for me because I, I always kind of thought that they just don't expect something to be up in a tree <laughs> and, and to, to be a predatory up there. Yeah. But it's really physiological. They just actually can't see very well. They can't detect movement that's above their heads. So that's why when they catch you, they're going up and down and up and down and I'm up trying and to get down. different angles yeah. on you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. To, to make you. <laughs> I see. I, I've seen that before. Oh, that's a joke. <laughs> I'm going to make a note there. So that's the wildlife word. You're welcome. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Oh, uh, yeah. So we should say that if you want to leave us a question of the day, be on the show, be relatively famous, just uh, click the show, click the link in the show notes and uh, click the send voicemail button and leave your name, location, and, and your brief question. Hit the ground running, baby. Yeah, just like uh, Mr. Chesnick did. Old Steve. All right. Well, Mark, anything else to add before we uh, hang up here? Everybody enjoy these last few weeks. For long, we're all going to be sitting at home going, man, it the flew season's by. over. Then we start prepping yeah. for next. So enjoy every minute while you're still out there, while you're still legally legal to be out there. All right. I've got my Ryan Kirby boss gobbler shirt on underneath this because I'm getting anxious about turkey season. You're just, oh, you're man. just that you're probably not, can't live in the moment. Probably not used to not having a buck tag. Left it's, so nice. <laughs> it's so three bucks in one season. I'm, I'm a happy boy. That's right. 2020 yeah. wasn't all that bad. No, no, no. As far as my deer hunting. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <clears throat> Thanks for watching everyone. Till next time. Peace out. Every hunt starts with a game plan, like knowing when and what to plant. So get DeerCast and get ahead of your game. 